Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. And welcome back to Be Strength to Be Human. This is episode number 72, The Rituals of Writing. Now, when I think about rituals, I usually think about those uh, strange things that happen in scary movies. But uh, what I'm really talking about in writing is the various little habits that we have or superstitions sometimes or idiosyncrasies. Uh, just the strange things that we do uh, either during writing or to prepare for writing, after writing. Uh, it's amazing how many people have so many different examples of something unique that they do. Now, I, I bet you there's a lot that we do in common, but there's also a lot of unique things. Uh, I'll share with some of mine, and then I'll share with some of others, and we kind of go from there, okay? Now, because I'm, I'm a lot older than, than a lot of folks listening to this show, and, and I've written, written a, a, a long time. Um, I remember back when I would just uh, put things on a little little post-it. And to tell you the truth, I was doing that even before they were post-its, because that's how old I am. All right, then post-its came on, I'm like, hey, that's useful, that's helpful. So, I mean, I would literally, at the end of the day, yeah, I might have five, six, seven scraps of different pieces of paper with, with notes, titles, ideas, sometimes a couple of lines of things. And they're very helpful because you're not going to get that, that notion back again that, that hits you, so you want to write it down. You know, and then later on, you might be able to insert it into something, you know, make something out of it. Another, another interesting poem or, you know, the basis of an essay or just the title of a, of a, of a work. You don't know what genre you're going to write it in, but you just like the title so much. You're like, wow. And, and that's how it's very helpful. It, it really is to, to do that, to have that kind of a ritual. But as time goes by, and as time did go by, things can change uh, in technology, uh, in your life status. Uh, you know, you get married, have kids, or moving around the world, the military. Uh, all, all those things happen to me, and they, they changed in different ways who I was as a person, and maybe even sometimes the available time. I mean, I was known to write stuff on a plane, you know, 60,000 feet in the air in the Air Force. Yeah, yeah, hold on a second. Let me get this down. I mean, I'm really, because I have a pen and a pad or something along with me all the time. You just never know. Just because I'm on some, some rocky flight going to uh, who knows where doesn't mean I'm not going to have a few ideas. So in between a nap, you know. And, and a Coke. <laughs> um, and that ritual that you had before, you know, it might morph or evolve or change or just become something else because you now have to fashion it to, you know, who you are at that at that moment. People, uh, I, I, you know, it's my own personal theory that people generally don't don't really change who, who they are from you know, from the time of high school onward. I mean, just because people mature doesn't mean they really change in terms of maybe how they speak or, or possibly some of their values or some of the things they normally do. People generally don't really change. 
I mean, there, there are always going to be examples, but like I always say on the show, you can't manage by exceptions. You have to manage by the standard of what goes on. And in my experience, people generally don't change. But your ritual as a writer could change because there's something, things that are happening in your life that's going to change your possible or variable time or where you write or all of those things. And then you have to adapt because if you don't, you know, it, it'll screw up your whole um, your whole method of doing things. That's one of the major points about having a ritual is it sets um, a writer possibly at ease. It, maybe it, it conditions the, the mood or it... Um, it gives you a, a, a way in, you know, to your own maybe imagination or, or how you connect to your muse, you know. So it, it's real important that the ritual, and I, I mean, all writers have them. I mean, I never heard anyone write it that said they didn't have one, you know. And if they did, I'm like, come on, please. Let's, let's, let's be honest here. The ritual will change as you change because you have to adapt to things. You're becoming, uh, uh, in, in a way, uh, you're finding a new comfortability on something. So this way you can actually, uh, you know, set yourself up to write. So I, I went from those scraps of paper. Okay. I, I went from that to something a little bit more formal where I had more time. You know, to my to myself. Once I I joined the military and got settled into my assignment, and everything. Then you have your, you know, your time for working and your time you have off. You know, and you know between schoolwork and um, meaning college and overseas, and um, uh, traveling because you know again you're overseas, you want to travel and see things. You know, I was getting in some some writing. You know, taking in notes or possibly. Um, you know, uh, doing sightseeing where, again, that brings in new experiences and therefore you want to try to incorporate some of that. You know, so then I, I went to something longer form. I would carry, a, you know, a small pocket type of journal where I could write a lot of things, a lot more extensive than a, than a piece of paper. You know, because mainly when you're doing traveling, you know, you, you don't want to have lots of pieces of papers. You, you, you might have to be at a checkpoint or you might have to be at an airport or something. And you got to take all that junk out and, you know, you'll lose it or it just looks weird. Better off just to have a pen and a journal, you know, your wallet, your keys or something, and that's it. Remember, these are the days before cell phones, so those don't even existed. And, and, and that's how that ritual went. Um, when I had my own apartment, of course, I had more time to do something like that. Um, more extensive writing in notepads. And, and sometimes that developed into something more serious, and other times it was just notes that I went back to whenever I was out of ideas or whenever I just was just sort of down in, in terms of being tired, but you still want to do something, but you don't have the energy to think. A ritual can help you jumpstart something because your mind, even though it doesn't seem like it has an instant or total recall on things, it does. It just needs a little kick, and and sometimes a ritual will help you do that. Whether that was, for me, you know, having a, you know, having a, a drink or, or a coke or something, or maybe um, just sitting down, you know, w without any uh, without any noise and, and you know, no radio, no TV, no music or anything, just looking over notes to see what, what will jump out, see what I might be able to connect to that, you know, or, or to see possibly where. Those notes can can lead me because oftentimes notes are, are like like a half direction to something. You, you don't really know where you're going yet, but you have partial directions. That's oftentimes that's how notes are, and, and to me they work with rituals because uh, you have to be able to to interconnect 
all kinds of different things to finally get to what you want to do in terms of writing, you know, from a, a small piece of paper to a notepad to, you know, to um, maybe a, a, a first draft of a poem or an essay or something. And um, that's how it starts. I mean, I know there are lots of people, and, and, I'm, and I'm included in there, that could possibly sit down and from scratch, boom, do something. Every so often, they might even come out, you know, close to perfect. It's still quite rare to do that. It's not a regular thing. You know, I don't know too many writers that do that regularly. Because you still have to review things later. You still got to rewrite things. I mean, that's really the open secret of writing is rewriting and rewriting. You know, I have an essay I rewrote 27 times. And I didn't sit down and rewrite it 27 times. I, I normally rewrite, you know, especially nonfiction things, uh, 10 times at least before I even submit it anywhere. And then afterwards, you know, if I don't feel it's getting picked up fast enough or if I just reread again and I don't like this and like that, I'll change it some more. So it's not un not uncommon for me to have things rewritten, you know, 15 times. It's just not unusual. Just keep I keep messing with it until I can think it's better. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a perfectionist and I don't really believe in, in perfection. I think it's a silly pursuit to stretch you out for nothing. You know, because, you know, quite frankly, 99 is going to get you an A. Why kill yourself over 100? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, just on a logical standpoint, okay? But I was saying to myself when I was reading something, hey, why don't I look at that? We might have to explore this. So sometimes other thoughts can come to you from your own writing even, and then you can change it to be something that's even better. Maybe you can expand upon it. Maybe there was a point that you didn't make well enough that now you can make. So re rewriting isn't really a chore, and it's not a boring thing, and it's not really a, a thing you should be frustrated about. You should look at it as, as, a, as a really great opportunity to go back and make what you did even better. And, and that's that's really what rewriting is in, in the end. So I've done that a lot, and rituals can help me do that. You're going to have days where you're just so filled up with ideas and everything, you're doing all kinds of stuff, and that's great. You're going to have those days. You're going to have other days, too, where, you know, just the course of life could be bad that day. You know, you might physically be tired because you get enough sleep. You know, you could be coming off of illness, or you could be in the middle of illness. You know, you could just be peeved about your job, or your kid's not listening, or, or, your, or your wife thinking that you're the garbage man, you know. Go take the garbage out. Yeah, thanks. I, I love you, too. So... You have to wonder what that does to your own emotional uh, well-being and, and how that's going to affect your writing. I mean, most of us, you know, whether we care to admit it or not, have some kind of emotional reservoir, some kind of emotional edge that kind of helps us a bit to if not start our work. God knows at least to end it, you know, so that we can, you know, put it on and, you know, and add out there and, and move on to whatever we're doing next. So when that gets messed up with uh, on the course of the day, you know, it's good to have a ritual that you could sit down and feel comfortable about because it's not it's not messing with you. It's not pushing your buttons. It's not giving you another chore on a day full of everything that could have gone wrong. You know what I mean? You started off with a slow leaking tire and then, you know, halfway to your trip, you're, you're, you're almost out of gas and, you know, you hit your hand on the door, you spill the soda on your white shirt. You know what I mean? You go to the bathroom and, and you pee on yourself. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things that happen because of the day. You know, and, and sometimes it makes other things worse because it just, like, piles on. And 
a ritual in many ways can kind of put you back at, at ease. It, it allows you to, uh, you know, take take account in that that day is longer there for you. Now you can go into something else, you know, another world, another thought frame, something beyond, you know, screaming kids and, you know, unsatisfied wives or something. And then put me it that way, but guys will understand. So I, I like it mainly for that for that reason. It, it kind of gives you, uh, you know, break glass when, you know, have an emergency kind of situation. It really does do that. It doesn't matter if anything super serious doesn't come out of that because, you know, quite frankly, uh, it, it's always been my belief that a person doesn't have to write every single moment of the day, every even every day. I mean, people that do this, uh, they're copying that Stephen King quote thing, and it's just, folks, it's kind of dumb. You're not going to get a whole lot of writing a bunch of bunch of words down all the time. Notes are, are, are about making ideas happen, you know what I mean? Or a line or two of something that could be good in an essay or an article or a poem, a cool title. Those are the kind of notes I'm talking about, things that are going to spark your interest later. It, it, it's not really a, about... Um, um, yeah, Jan, I, I, I typed 1,500 words like Stephen King said, um, and I'm going to do that for the next 10 days, and I'm going to have like like 10,000 or so words, and man, I'm, I'm like, uh, I, I'm like a, a quarter away to a novella. Yeah, okay. If you count the words and you count how much of a novella is, sure, you're, you are correct, but most of it's going to be crap. So, I mean, 10,000 words of crap is no different than one crappy word, okay? It's the same nonsense, only you put a week into it. So I don't really recommend that kind of ritual. I know some people do that, and quite frankly, if those people that are doing that, honestly, I mean, I mean honestly, if they're not just saying the world that works and then they're behind the scenes going, this crap don't work. If it really does work for you, then you should be doing it because rituals are about trying to find a method, a, a way, a habit, a, some some something uh, interesting to do that might spark your interest, that might shoot your imagination in, in another direction that you wasn't before. That's what it is. So if your thing really works that 1,500 words a day and, and I get something good out of it and blah, 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 that, that's fine. I still think it's a, it's a whole lot of work for nothing because, I mean, if you're, if you're not really getting anything serious out of 1,500 words but maybe a sentence or two, I don't know why 10,000 words is supposed to do for you. Wow, I did 10,000 words and I was able to extract a paragraph from that. I mean, come on. You're better off going drinking with me, okay? And getting more inspiration than that kind of nonsense. So, I mean, unless you're really getting something substantial from that or just from any ritual in general, you want to abandon it and just try something else because it's supposed to be able to, to help you help put yourself at ease and help draw something out of you that could be interesting and, and creative, right? It's not just supposed to be a, a mindless method to somehow, I don't know, beat beat some creativity out of your head or something. It, it doesn't really work that way, folks. It doesn't work at all. So just try to keep that in mind, all right? But whatever does work for you, you should definitely be doing it and looking at ways to refine it. You know, all, all the time you want to try to find something, something interesting and something different. That's what you want to do. Lots of times for me, um, as much as I use ritual and believe in it, uh, when I have uh, things like a nonfiction article that I write, let's say for my column or something, 
I don't really use a ritual for that because oftentimes I am simply mulling over an idea that I already have for the column. And it's just really about getting onto the computer or getting onto my uh, my phone and, and putting some stuff down that, that helps outline that later. And then from there, I can fill in the blanks and, and create an article. That's what I do. So I don't really need a ritual. Although technically what I just described to you is kind of like a ritual, but I mean, it's, it doesn't need to be so elaborate. It doesn't need to, I'm not, I don't need to be sitting there, you know, and looking at the ceiling and, you know, saying some, some mantras or something and, and drinking grapefruit half naked. I mean, I don't need to be doing anything like that. Okay. But, um, and that, I guess you could say that would be my habit of ritual for the nonfiction thing, which would be radically different than anything else I do. Cause then I don't really have a clear cut idea. I'm really trying to feel around and, and do something. Where in something nonfiction, I already have a, a good idea of what I want to do. It's just a question of trying to flesh it out, make it make it make sense, and, and have enough length that it's you know worth being published by by the uh, by the editor of the of the publication. Now, I was mentioning before that we move through life, and then therefore our rituals change and move with us. So that's what I've done. Is and then I went to. Um, from the typewriter, which, believe it or not, I was one of those people I used to use one. I can't even believe I don't use a typewriter anymore because it was so integral to my early life up until uh, probably the mid-80s. That's when the computers started coming out, and then I started changing over to that. But that was just a whole ritual in itself and a whole whole transformation of life just to do that because I was using you know, my own typewriter and then Selectrix, wherever I could find one at, whether it was at the library or... You know, when I was in the Air Force, a lot of the libraries had a selectric typewriter that you can use. So, and that, those are really professional ones, and you can really type something great. And then all I had to do is make a, a master copy of that and make some photocopies, and I could send it out. That's that's pretty much how I used to do things. You know, and then uh, of course the computers came out. You could do some instant printing. You don't have to worry about messing with the the Xerox or running around doing that anymore, because that's how you know things used to be. They're not so convenient as they are now. You know. That's why uh, sometimes I don't understand why writers say, these are so difficult. I mean, you don't know the times when you had to do all this stuff manually. You know, then put it in an envelope, then hope to God you had some stamps, and then wait literally weeks upon weeks. You know, getting sometimes a pile of mail back, and every single thing is rejected. Most of the times without any note at all. Just some soulless form letter. Yeah, it doesn't mean we hate you. It just means that you're not really ringing our bell. Yeah, thanks. I like to go over there and ring your bell, all right? <laughs> Lord. But um, then as the technology changed, you know, I, I started doing things on uh, um, these. It was like an early type of of, um, of iPad where, they, where you can actually put a, 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 an e-book on it. I think they were called Pilots. I would do stuff on Pilots. I own one of them. I put some notes on that, save it. You know, ultimately, until I got to the to the you know to the cell phone and and the smartphone applications of it. So it's not unusual for me to write entire articles on it and then simply check it over and then send it over to the editor. Another side of the world. So it's amazing what you can do. I keep a lot of my notes there because I don't do things on paper anymore that way. I mean, I rarely use a pen. I mean. I work at a bank, so um, quite frankly, uh, uh, that's probably the only time I use a pen. I, otherwise, I almost never use a pen. You know, when I'm when I'm home or around writing, I use a pen at work, and I use a pen usually with my kids for stuff. I gotta sign something or grade something or be horrified by something that they did. 
and I use a pen, you know. Sometimes a pencil, I always hated the pencils. I never thought they were dark enough for my eyes to see, so not a big fan of those. But that's about it. Everything is, is, is totally electronic, you know. The phone, for me, has a great deal about what's going on. You know, what my plans are, what I want to do, keeping track of, you know, other people's stuff that, you know, that comes in for aerial chart and you know, all that. So now that's my ritual. That's why I, I have changed. I, I changed from, I don't know, some caveman writer with, on pieces of paper and napkins and uh, post-its and notepads and journals and all the way up to something electronic that can, you know, hold a, a massive amount of stuff. And oftentimes become not just a notepad, but also a delivery system. That That's what makes it so, you know, unique for me. Uh, again, I'm not encouraging that for other people. Some people can't do that. You know, the, the little bit of the typing in there, the little letters that mess up people's attention or their concentration and, you know, the screen hurts their eyes. And, you know, there's plenty of other things why you wouldn't want to do it. And I got that. But for me, it's great. Even if it hurts my eyes. Hell, even if it hurts my eyesight down the line, I'm, I'm, I'm still comfortable with it, and I'll, and I'll live with that. You can also hit it for it can talk. So, you know, God forbid I go blind, it's going to talk to me then, and I'll talk back to it, you know? I don't like robots, but in this case, I don't really consider it a robot. I just consider it like a machine that, that's useful, and then that's that, okay? It's not like, a, you know, we're going to have conversations, you know, during midnight or something. But rituals, I find, are extremely important. And you'll find lots of people, when they get a chance to really converse with another writer, they like they like to share that because it, it, it's a fun, uh, a fun thing to hear about. It, it, it's a it's a cool, uh, clever way to understand a little bit about the inside of creativity for somebody else. You know, you want to know what somebody else is doing different. You want to know if they're doing some of the same things you're doing. And, and quite frankly, sometimes you want to know that maybe they're doing something so super unique that maybe that's something you should look into doing. Some people do that, and that's fine. Copy away. Nothing wrong with that. As long as you're not copying my words, I don't care if you copy the rituals. <laughs> you know, so that, that and that's fine because that's a good thing. That's why I like to hear other people's, uh, you know, rituals and and. And habits and, and you know idiosyncrasies and superstitions, you know I know a guy that, and I mean he he's still doing this. I check him now and then, but you know I think I've known him for like five years. Okay, and he um, he won't write or even do any notes or anything or even review anything he wrote, you know unless he he really has a full stomach. He doesn't like doing anything on the empty stomach. He said it messes his mind up. Okay. I hear you. Sometimes I hear pizza calling out through the galaxies to me. So I got you. All right. Next, he does not like to write with anything other than a pen, and it has to be a black pen. Not a red pen, not a blue pen. God forbid, if he's stuck in a room with a blue pen, he will not write. I'm telling you, that's, that's his thing. Okay. Next, I know there's more. And this is the last thing, thank God. Um, he doesn't like to write on Fridays. Now, you know, you tell me something unusual, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm, I'm nosy that way, okay? I'm Italian, I'm from New Jersey. That's how we are. Too bad. So I want to know, okay, you're going to tell me and share me with that? And then why is that? You know, and I'm thinking in my mind, of course, uh, I don't know, maybe that's his drinking day, uh, or maybe that's his bridge club day, maybe that's his video game day, I don't know, maybe that's his date or girl gay. Or a data guy game, I mean, uh, or, or, or maybe it's just 
that's the day he feels like he needs to just rest. You know, he'll wait the weekend or something. I don't know. You know, he told me that, no, it's none of those things. He said he does not feel inspirational on Friday. He thinks it's a like a, like a hex or something or a, a bad thing or, I don't know, a superstition. I, I can't peg it that somebody is afraid of Friday. I understand that, you know, Friday the 13th maybe. But, you know, we just had one that just passed. And, you know, what's the worst thing that happened? You know, I dropped a half a half dog and the, and the dog uh, ran and ate it before I can pick it up. Yes, that's right. The floor isn't too dirty. I'll pick it up and eat it. I don't care. This is how I am. That was the worst thing that happened to me on Friday the 13th. So I don't know what this superstition is all about. But I take seriously when people tell me these things that they take seriously. So, you know, I'm not trying to mock it. But, you know, it, it, it'd be, it'd be dis dishonest to say I don't find that unusual. Um, you won't write on Fridays. And you haven't really given me any kind of clear idea why other than you have a feeling that it's a bad day to write. And it's a hex or something. I don't know. That's what he tells me. So he won't do it. And I, I don't I don't want to torment him, so I'm not going to text him. Yo, hey, man, it's Friday. You want to write something? I don't want to mess with him, okay? That's his thing. That's what he told me. So that's that guy's spiel on what he does, all right? That's what he does. I've heard plenty of things from plenty of other people, okay? I know a lady that tells me that she can only write when she has all her clothes on. I'm not really sure what this is supposed to be about because I don't know why you're any more creative writing naked. But I've heard that there were other creative, um, I guess you could say, uh, forms of creativity where people do that. I've heard painters paint naked or paint naked people while they're naked, which is weird. Uh, and, of course, I've heard some musicians say they can't compose unless they're naked. Don't know why, but that's what they say. Okay. I don't know too many people uh, that were naked that were doing writing. I remember reading something about Benjamin Franklin saying that, you know, um, he liked to, to think and do stuff when he was naked. But then, you know, he was kind of freaky with like 17,000 women, too. You know, and you've seen the pictures of what this guy looks like. So I guess you've got to be a genius if you've got 17,000 women hanging out with you and you look like that and you're naked all the time. Lord. But that's what he did, you know, and he was, you know, he was a creative person. He did some writing, did some creative things, a little inventing, a little of everything. So, okay. But um, that's what she told me. She has to have her clothes on. So I don't know if, and believe it or not, this is one of those times when I didn't ask the curious question. I just thought it would be, you know, rude or it just sound, you know, creepy. So I didn't want to ask her. Uh, is that opposed to being naked because you did that before and it didn't work out? Or is this some other reason? But that's what she told me. You know, but she also said she goes to bed with her clothes on, too. So, okay. I understand that. I do, too. Thanks. So, uh, that's what she told me. She got to have them on. So, uh, I don't know if that also means, because, again, I didn't ask her, but I don't know if that means if she's at a beach and she don't have as much clothes on, does this mean she can't be creative and write or do anything clever or take a note down? Or pff, You got me. I don't know. I don't like beaches anyway. They don't really lend themselves well to creativity, you know? They have all the elements that I personally am not really happy with or comfortable with, you know. Uh, if they didn't have these things, I'd be happy at the beach. But unfortunately, beaches have salty water and they have sand and they have lots of heat. So these are three things I don't really like. So if there's a beach that doesn't have these things, I will be happy. But I'm thinking it's probably like in Iceland maybe because nobody else is going to have those things. And I live in one of those beach places, uh, ironically enough. 
But hey, I live near a golf course too, and I mean, half the times, you know, I, I don't even care for it. Play now and then with the kids because they like it, but you know, if it was up to me, no, I, I wouldn't play at all. It, it just seems like a big, big time waster, you know. And I'm gonna try to write down a note, and and then you got three people behind me. When are you gonna move? When are you gonna move the cart? Stop writing the stuff. I mean, so that wouldn't be helpful because I got a club nearby, and I don't have a good temper, so. It's probably a good idea I don't do that very much just because, you know, somebody might get hurt. For real. So, that's what uh, a lot lady had told me. Um, I've had at least three or four people uh, tell me, um, and I always found this is uh, this is pretty funny, but um, maybe more, because I, I remember hearing this a number of times, but I hear that a lot of people, they like to have their animals around when they write. Even if it's just going through notes, even if it's rewriting, even if it's just, just doing some of the basics, they want their animals around. So I, I don't know if that, you know, comforts a person, makes them a little less stressed out. You know, uh, psh, uh, you got me because I, I don't want them around. I'm writing and uh, petting a cat. I don't know how that really helps me with my concentration or, or making some notes up. You know what I mean? Because then the cat meows and it looks like you're funny and it probably wants more food or... You know, I got cats that they want you to pet them 17 times and they start getting mad. I'm like, come on, I'm trying to write over here. I don't have time to be messing with scrubbing your belly or whatever. That's maybe later, you know. So uh, to me, that doesn't work. Okay, but other folks, they got to have the animal in there, you know. So, I, I, in fact, I never asked uh, the guy, you know, that has a bird if, uh, you know, he writes when he has his birds or does he put the thing over the birds to, you know, make them quiet or something. I never. I gotta ask him one day. It'd be interesting to hear. But yeah, I hear a lot about the animals, and uh, people want them. You know, I know somebody that actually thinks there's animal spirits, and they help that person become more creative because they come inside their body when they write. This is part of that person's philosophy. So don't look at me. But again, whatever is going to be helping you, that's cool. So you know, you gotta. You got a yellow corn snake at the house, and you you know you're feeding it frozen dead uh, mice that you have in, in your refrigerator, and you want it around and pet it a few times before you put down that super cool poem. I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna make fun of you. Go do it then, no problem. You know, they're not really dangerous to people. They just like you know rodents and stuff. You know, and they kind of they kind of look cool with the orange you know yellow kind of color to them actually. So go ahead and do that. I know somebody has one of those. It's just that uh, they're not a writer though. But hey, I, I guess you could do that. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. So then, of course, there's a lots of people that they have, uh, which I think many of us probably share, and that would be you know the ritual of having a place at the house someplace, or maybe even at the house someplace at a certain time in that place that they can do their best work. You know, I know, I know a writer that does his best work at night. I do a lot of work at night. I don't know if it's my best work or not, but I still do a lot of work at night, but I also do stuff in the daytime. It's not unusual for me to write a nonfiction in, in the daytime. For some reason, the more creative stuff I need, you know, less, less bothersome people or less noise or anything. But when it comes to nonfiction, because, you know, it, it already has a notion. I'm already building on something that I've been thinking about. I don't have to be uh, distracted. I just can't be because I'm already kind of latched on to that. Other creative things, to, they, I really need a lot more because I have to dig more and I have to think more. 
you know, or feel more, you know, I don't do that as much with that, with the nonfiction, but you got a lot of people that like, I want to write, uh, a, a, you know, in this uh, spare room and that's what I'm going to do, or I'm going to write on this den, or I'm going to write on the couch when everybody's sleeping at night. They won't be at the kitchen table, which by the way, if you were to take a poll, I did an unscientific one, okay? So I, I don't know if this is gospel, all right? But my unscientific poll said that that was the number one place that a person wrote in their house was at the kitchen table. Sometimes even with the computer out doing it. But whether it's writing on a pen and a paper or in the computer, I, all the, to me it's all the same writing. That's what was the number one place. So, And it's not unlike me to have it in the kitchen table now and then, but I usually don't like moving it. I have a... You know, uh, a mini office built into my bedroom where I have the studio and I have my computer and everything. And, you know, I try not to move it too much if I can, if I can help it, you know, because I'm clumsy and I'll probably break something and that'll be the end of it. But that is a real common ritual for all of us, I think. Uh, the, the right room, the right space, the, the right time-ish, you know, time you know, 10 to midnight, 2 in the morning, whatever. People do that. It's it's not uncommon. It's it's quite it's quite the most common thing you're going to find amongst many people. So don't be too unused about that. I don't know too many people that write in cars, unless they're actually the passenger. Please don't write when you're driving. Don't drink when you're driving. Don't write when you're driving, okay? But um, I've heard a few people that have uh, wrote on planes because I, I guess they feel, again, the freedom of, uh, of doing that. Which is really strange because you're telling me that you're on a plane packed with a whole, I don't know, 200 people, most of them grumpy, some of them smelly, you know, half of them drunk, you know, and then you, somehow you're feeling freedom and, and quiet there. It's an unusual thing. It's one of those modern things. But I got you. I mean, that's how you want to do it uh, on a pad or, or, your, or your iPhone or something like that. Why not? It's not like you could do that much with that phone anyway when you're on a plane. So you might as well do something useful like write. So I, I, I like the irony, but yes, I, I hear a lot about planes. And I know a lot of people do a lot of travel, so they do that. Uh, a couple have done things on buses, uh, especially their students. You know, they got to ride, they got to take every day, or, or maybe even they're taking a, you know, a bus to work or something. They might jot a few downs of things that they remember in the morning or the way back from work, something that, you know, kind of jostled their, their memories or, or, or their, you know, their interests and things. So there are some more rituals right there, okay? And, and I, I guarantee there's a lot more than I don't even think of. I mean, I'm sure some are freaky, you know, some are a little eccentric, you know, some are strange, you know. I, I know some some uh, some uh, rural type writers and, and some in, in international communities too, where they're in a more rural area or more agricultural area. So it's not unusual for them to, you know, skate away for a little while and go write something in the barn, you know. But hey, I, uh, that's how it's farm life, okay? There's usually three things going on in barns: either somebody's having sex, someone's getting drunk, or someone's actually doing work. So why not write some poetry in there too? I mean, all kinds of other crazy things are happening there. Makes sense to me, just from that that sort of thinking, and you know that that's just the utility of using things. I mean, it's not like you know you're on a farm and there's gonna be a library next to you or something. It's gonna probably be a long way uh, away. Certainly not gonna be an airport nearby either. So makes it makes great sense to me. It really does. Uh, I've known um, some writers that I don't know why, but they tell me that when they take babysitting assignments and the kids go to sleep, they just sit down and they do a lot of writing. 
So, you know, sometimes they do homework or college stuff, but then they also do some writing too. Again, that's a good alone time. Maybe they feel because because sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes for people, it's the opposite. Now, we've been talking about a lot of things that make you comfortable. And oftentimes people, more times than not, are writing in their homes, maybe a different part of the home or a different time in the home, but they're in the home. There's sometimes where taking yourself out of an element can also be the creative thing because sometimes it makes you more aware of stuff because you're not so darn comfortable. You're not so ready to say, oh, I'll just make some popcorn and have some Kool-Aid and I'll think about it later. I mean, it's just too easy to skate <laughs> at the house. So it's kind of harder when you're at somebody else's house and you got to be attention about the kids when you put them to bed. You know what I mean? And you're looking at your watch to see when they're going to come back. And then you're just, you know, you're going to be doing some writing. So maybe being out of that element is a good thing just because that's another way to, to get you, uh, you know, sparking your interest or, or, or you know, jumpstarting the, the imagination or, you know, kickstarting that, uh, you know, that, that engine of, of creativity. That, that, that's what oftentimes a different element can do, you know. And I definitely find that. For me, anyway, talking for me, whenever I like to talk to people and, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard not to have a, a podcast and, you know, be a talker. I mean, you can't be a podcast person, you know, and a host and everything if you're not someone who's willing to talk a lot or likes talking a lot. I know there's people that make, uh, you know, ridicule of all of that sort of stuff in, in society. Oh, the person talks too much. And well, I'm a, I'm a podcaster. What, what the hell am I supposed to do? Huh? Say three words and give you silence for 15 minutes. You know, but I never understood why people say that. It's like, I don't know. I mean, if I need to be quiet, what what the heck are you thinking that's so deep and important? Hmm? Why don't you just be honest and say I'm annoying you? I'm okay with that. But don't lie about how it's important to get quiet and you're not doing anything in that brain. Okay? God knows you're not writing. So what are you doing with the brain that I have to be quiet? Yeah. Usually it's baloney and I just talk more just to annoy more of them. Good. Maybe they'll go away from me rather than the other way around. Okay? But for me, talking is like a therapy. It's like another way to organize thoughts. Sometimes I come out with interesting things, believe it or not. Uh, for myself and my own writing sometimes. Hey, I never thought about that. I was mentioning that and you know, put that together. Sometimes you're putting stuff together in these shows that you don't even realize could have some really deep relevance for, for somebody or, or even for yourself. Because, uh, you know, oftentimes I'm, I'm relaying, a, you know, a series of facts or, 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 or connecting some stories and, you know, try and tie it together for the theme of, of the show that I'm doing. In this case, you know, the rituals of writing, how there's so many different ones and, you know, how they have a real, you know, they have a real uh, a value to, to what you're trying to do. You know, and I think many ways uh, people have rituals in, in life and what they're doing at their work or how they start their car and how they handle and clean their car even. You know, those things that they makes them feel the most comfortable. So to me, it's not that unusual, you know, to have these kind of uh, rituals. And But don't be afraid, folks, okay? Even if your ritual works well for you, don't be afraid, you know, to tinker with it a little bit and, and see what else happens and see what else can be done with it. It doesn't mean you can't go back. You know, it's not like an egg. If you crack it, and you know, you can't put it back together like Humpty Dumpty. It's not like that at all. You go back to the same stuff you were doing the next day if you don't feel comfortable with making an alteration or an adjustment. But I find as much as people abhor change, 
change can sometimes be really helpful. It could be even uh, a creative boost just to change. It doesn't have to be a permanent change. It could be a temporary change, you know? I, I wrote some good stuff once at McDonald's. You know, I was uh, waiting for somebody to come, and they didn't arrive for uh, like a work lunch date. We were just going to McDonald's. We didn't want to do anything big or serious, mainly because we just wanted the Jabba Jaw. And when you could do a McDonald's, you could talk for a long time, and you don't have to worry about no one bothering you. You go to a regular restaurant, you know, the waitress is there every five minutes. You need this, you need that. I'm like, God, you're messing up my drain of door. Get away from me. I'll tell you if I need something, you know. You don't have to work that at McDonald's because some people, they just want to make the hamburger and then they want to go back and, and smoke 16 cigarettes. So they won't like to bother the customers. They're not into that, which is great for me. Leave me alone. I already gave you my money. Bye. And they never showed up. And I'm like, wow, let me just think about this and, you know, look at this over here on my phone. And the next thing you know, I'm writing something on the on the notepad of the phone. And it winds up being really useful as a good segment of of, uh, of an article that I was that I was uh, you know thinking about. So it just it just came out, which is great because I'm like, wow, look at that time that I wasn't expecting to be useful on the writing end. It wind up being something creative after all. So and and I and I like that. I I like that we can get unexpected things by doing sometimes unexpected things. And that's not a really a, a, a bad thing. I mean, I'm sure there'll be times when it is bad, but, you know, bad sometimes is not really bad for us as well because sometimes you need a, a heartbreak, you know, to, to get a, a, an important point across. Uh, sometimes, uh, as horrible as this might sound, sometimes people don't mature to the next level of things until somebody that, you know, they were close to dies. It's almost like they needed that perspective and they won't get it until that person is no longer around. Almost like they were handicapped and were shielding them. You know, it's important to protect people, but sometimes people get protected too much from too many things and they need more exposure. They need more, you know, um, socialization, so to speak. You know, otherwise, you know, now he's put a crimp in your people skills. I think it puts a crimp in your creativity, too. You know, it's hard to be creative if you're poor, you know, talking to people, or shaking hands or saying hello or just being around somebody. So I think it's 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 a good thing to to have uh, to think about uh, different changes that you can do. They could be minor. They could be small. Nothing wrong with that. But think about it. Think about how change can do things about your rituals. And if you're one of those writers that don't seem to have too many rituals or, or maybe just don't have anything that's formal. You know, look into the sea if it helps you or not. Especially if you're one of those writers that that um, that have more writer's block situations than others, then you might want to change things around because that'll be necessary. Those so that change around can sometimes you know knock that writer's block out of there and help you see around it or help you see through it or sometimes just clear it out. So sometimes rituals and different changes are also a component on, on helping to, if not reduce, you know, um, writer's block, at least to let you manage it enough until, you know, it fades away. Because usually I find that most writer's block anyway is uh, emotional related. All right, folks, that is it for um, the rituals of writings. I hope you've taken something useful out of this and had some, some fun with it as well. Think about what other people are doing and what you're doing. And, and also think about if there's something else you can do different. Okay. Just try to try that out. It, it, it doesn't hurt and it, it might really, might really help. All right. Until next time, folks, God bless. This is Mark Antti Rossi at Strength to Be Human. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com. <laughs>